Good morning and welcome to The Age Stage, a program that looks at issues and matters affecting older Australians made possible by Aftercare Australasia. My name is Paula Dunn and joining me today will be William Bond, but William is actually held up in traffic as we speak, so he'll be here in a little while. Meanwhile, the wonderful Steve Myers has stepped in as always. How are you, Steve? I am good, so oh, that's good. <laughs> I was busy that's pushing good. buttons. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> so today on the program we have um, the Mornington Peninsula Shire has announced its winner of, of the of its Age Friendly Award. So we're going to meet the winner, oh, really? uh, Elder of the Year. So that'll be really Excellent. exciting. Uh, John Drysdale of the Men's Shed, and later after that we're going to talk to Paul Vestige, the Policy Coordinator at the Combined Pensioners and Superannuates Association. He's got some really interesting mm. statistics about how many calls have gone unanswered totally to Centrelink, you know, especially oh, to yes. the my, my Age Care portal. Uh, it's staggering, like 55 million, if you can believe that. Yeah, I actually heard that figure before yeah. coming on ours. I was yeah. gobsmacked. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But first, our regular visitor, welcome Warren Haynes from Aftercare Australasia. Welcome, Warren. Ah, thanks, Paula. It's a pleasure to be here, as always. How have you been this week? Oh, I've had a pretty good week. Busy so week? Yeah. Yeah? Sun's shining and uh, spring is officially here. It even is. Though it's still very it? cold. <laughs> Yay, I've got daffodils everywhere in the house. Yeah. I love I love spring. It's wonderful. wonderful. Really? Yeah. So what are you going to talk to us about today, Warren? Well, one of the things that I thought we perhaps might be able to um, talk about in a little bit of depth is uh, is the importance of that in-home support that, mm-hmm. uh, that home care packages provide. Uh, one of the reasons that uh, that I thought this is worth going into is people often, when they're looking at a home care package, they're thinking very much about, well, who's going to manage the package for me? And that's mm. often who they have their initial contact with. But the reality is what they the, what their involvement with the package often is is the people that actually come into their home and yes. provide the support. So yeah. they might see those people... Well, even for a relatively small package, they might see them for three or four or five hours a week. Yes. For people on a, on a level four package, it could be anything up to 18, 19 hours really? of support a week. Wow. Um, whereas the case manager, well, they might see them a couple of times at the start of the process and then it might be once a month or mm-hmm. if everything's going smoothly might only be once every couple of months and perhaps a couple of phone calls. Mm. Uh-huh. And so what is that process, Warren? How does it start? How do they begin it? What, what's the start yeah. of the process? Okay, so, so where it begins is obviously once they've got the package up and running, they'll, they'll have someone come out and talk to them about what their needs are and that will really focus on um, what are the things that you're having a little bit of difficulty perhaps doing for yourself these days mm-hmm. in your home or out in the community. And that's the basis that the the in-home support is provided on. So it's really about focusing on, um, you know, letting people do the things they can do for themselves, mm-hmm. um, but just focusing on those things that they need that bit of extra support to feel confident or for it to be safe or for it perhaps mm-hmm. know, for it to be done to the right standard. Um, that and is that initially wants. discussed with the case with a case manager? Yeah, is it? Yep. yeah. Okay. Well, usually, even a step before that, when they're getting the assessment done, they would touch on that a little bit. Yes, but. Uh, when when it's the package is ready to go, it's really getting down to the nuts and bolts of it. So mm-hmm. that's that's looking at um, 
what sort of personal characteristics yes. does the, the person have? You know, are they yeah. are they a loud, bubbly personality mm. that's mm. the life of the party, or or are you actually after someone who's going to be a bit quiet and not disturb your peace and yeah. and just sort of come in and get the job done and 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 go again and leave you to get on with things? So that's important. It's about what skills are needed. So mm-hmm. for some people, it can be the support they need at a fairly basic level, mm-hmm. uh, but it's still important to get that right. Yeah. You know, Mm. Yeah. If the support someone wants is around meals or cooking, well, you want someone that can do just a little bit more than boil an egg, for yeah, example. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. And there's a little bit of horses for courses there. Yeah. All, all, all of our sort of support workers are, work to a very high standard, mm-hmm. but yeah. some are particularly good in some areas mm. and some are stronger in other areas, yeah. just like we all are. And so who, how do you sort that out? How do you, how do you allocate yeah. who's good for who? And Well, it's, it's, it's really about, uh, Firstly, making sure you've got the right people. Yeah. Um, and we, we invest a, an enormous amount of time and effort into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, again, if I could just sort of, you know, expand on that a little bit. There are some companies out there that really, um, set the bar very low and mm. they're, they're more okay. concerned with just sort of keeping their numbers up, if you like. Mm-hmm. And they're quite happy to have, ter- you know, high turnover and, uh, mm. just sort of churn through and, Perhaps have, uh, I suppose, a, a level of dissatisfaction mm. with their, with their mm-hmm. customers. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us, we put a lot of emphasis on getting the right people and, and um, really make them sort of jump through hoops at the start of the process before yes. we even introduce them to families. So they're a bit of a known quantity yeah. after they go through that process. I would imagine they'd have to have a police check. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Look, that's something that's industry wide. Yes, it you is. Know, the governments um, set up very yeah. good sort mm. of solid, clear you know, regulation and legislation that controls that. Mm-hmm. But I would guess that because you go to so much trouble up front, it causes less trouble down the track. Yes. That is exactly yeah, why exactly. we do it. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we find it's just less trouble for everybody involved. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I suppose it's also grown out of those years of experience in, in responding to you know what our what our customers are are mm. looking for, yeah. yes. and what they want is they they want something that's going to run smoothly mm. without it being a hassle. Yeah, and even having someone come into your house, I think people often underestimate just how intrusive that is. Yes, so, it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I can vouch for that. Yeah, yeah. you had, had an experience. I did, didn't you? <laughs> yes, when I, when I broke my wrist. And they, ah. because I live on my own, they mm. sent me home from hospital and a lady was delegated to come in and do my vacuuming, which no one does my vacuuming. I do my vacuuming. <laughs> um, and wash the floors because I couldn't do that. And I found it really hard to accept for a little while. And then I loved it. I really loved it. It was yeah. great. I've heard stories of people that when they know someone's coming in to clean the house, they clean the house in advance because yeah. they don't want someone seeing a dirty house. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that is one of the one of the challenges, uh, definitely, because they they the, the support workers that come in, they kind of get to see. Um, you know, all your dirty secrets yeah, that you normally right. wouldn't let yeah. even close family, yeah, friends exactly. and guests uh, <laughs> see. You know, they, they get to look inside what's in the yeah. the, the, the cupboards and, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, what's behind the door in the bathroom. And, um, so, so that's really about, that's why we spend that time to um, really talk to the people that are receiving the package and talk to them in detail about, you know, okay, you, we know you want the support, we know you want a, you know, a hand with, say, meals and, you know, the tasks are fairly, people are usually quite clear about that. Mm. But it's about getting a sense of 
how they want it done. Mm. So just as you were saying, yes. Paula, you know, cleaning is not just cleaning. Cleaning for yourself, perhaps, mm. is mm. done to needs to be done in a very exact way. Yep. Um, and you've got your own preferred you know, systems for doing that mm -hmm. that are really important to you. Whereas for other people, they might just be going, oh, yeah, that doesn't matter. You know, just just mm. give it a lick and a promise and that'll be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they, they, without wanting to sound too too uh, <laughs> sort of uh, sexist, you know, there might be certain gentlemen bachelors <laughs> out there in the community that, you know, don't mind a little a little yeah. coating of dust on everything because yeah, that's, that's how right. it's been for quite a while yeah, and they're quite exactly. comfortable with it. Don't, and, they don't even see it, actually. Well, I mean, A lot fact, of men's eyes don't... <laughs> I'm sure there's a filter. My I dad used see. to tell my mum it kept the rust away. <laughs> <laughs> but but on a more serious note, in actual fact, if if you had a worker that came in and started cleaning that up, mm. they might even cause offence. Yes, you know yes, the person true. might be yes. going, well, you know, like like your dad, they might be going, wait a minute, you know, that's, that's taken me a good five years that's to build my that up. Yeah. There, you know? <laughs> or, or tidying up. You know, my father yes. was, uh, you know, self-employed, and mm. he always had his papers mm. on the end of the kitchen table, mm. which drove my mother absolutely crazy and one day I decided to straighten I didn't move anything I didn't throw anything out or move I just straightened them up mm. wow mm. my goodness <laughs> you know and if he'd have had it and he did when he was on his own he did have um, care workers come in and he would tell them no don't touch that and don't do this yeah. Yeah. and that's actually what we say to mm. um, to some of our well to all of our staff when they first start working with us is we say you need to regard the first couple of times that you go out to see each client as being a little bit like a mini job interview yes. uh, where you need to be listening to what the person is yes. saying is important mm. to them Good advice. and and uh, sort of just Getting a sense of what it is they're looking for, yes. um, because it's that's what makes it such a skilled job. It's a yeah. very skilled mm. job yeah. um, because they have to people people that do that sort of job, again because it's in people's homes, you have to be able to accommodate their individual preferences and mm. likes and dislikes, and as we're saying, you know the way they like things done. Yes, and uh, uh, so, you know as long as the time allows for it, yes. um, really we expect people to accommodate that. So. There's a huge amount of variety in it. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's one of the things that makes it so appealing compared to nursing homes because mm -hmm. even the best nursing homes, and there, there are some very good ones mm -hmm. out there, mm -hmm. but it's still a little bit of, you know, one size fits all. Mm -hmm. um, no matter how hard the, you know, the individual workers, there's some very good quality workers sure. in that yeah. area, but no matter how hard they try, ultimately, mm -hmm. you know, Lunch is at a certain time mm, when the kitchen's yeah. got it ready. Yes. And, um, these activities yeah. start at this mm -hmm. time and they yeah. finish at that time. And, yeah. Um, it's quite different. It can become yeah. rather boring, I would mm. imagine. Mm. Yeah. And so what are there plans, you know, if let's say a worker came in and, uh, you know, a, a resident had had a fall, mm. is there a procedure that they have to follow? I mean, of course, you would call somebody or or you know, yes. emergency or do they call back to aftercare, for instance, or? Yeah, look, initially, so they're all are trained in first aid. So, mm. so initially they would just be providing that, that first aid response mm. and making sure that there isn't a serious injury because mm -hmm. if there is, they're going to be calling an, an ambulance, ambulance. That's right. Mm. Yeah. Um, but in most cases, 
that's that's not what happens. People usually end up. Um, it's it's not so much a fall as a, a sort of slightly undignified slide onto the floor. <laughs> yeah. on, people generally sort of end up on the floor um, without you know really having a, a major accident mm. in the yeah. process. Mm. Um, so it's more a sort of a loss of dignity than mm. anything. Yes, but they get stuck there. Yeah, um, that's and the right. difficulty is getting back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are a number of techniques that carers can use to support that, and they will just ring the office and mm. let us know in case we need to notify anybody Mm -hmm. yes okay we're going to go to a break now and we'll be back soon welcome back to the age stage and we're going to continue talking about um carers with warren here from aftercare australasia so we were saying we were talking about people having falls warren um and uh as i steve knows when i've spoken about uh, breaking my wrist and i fell and and you do have this sense that i don't make a fuss Mm. you know i'll be right in a minute i'll get my breath whatever but i was drifting in and out of consciousness and happened to have the sense to push the last phone number that i'd called on my phone which was my daughter and she came straight over and Mm. i I absolutely had to have an ambulance so Mm. Um, and I have heard, um, you know, a not um, too distant relative of ours, um, his mother had, uh, she had a fall, she lived on her own and she'd actually broken a bone and she passed out and, and bled to death. Mm-hmm. So, and that was from a like a broken leg. I mean, mm-hmm. that's tragedy, isn't it? Oh, uh, absolutely. And this is something that, uh, that I was going to mention is that it's, it's surprisingly common, uh, that when these sorts of accidents occur, uh, a lot of the people that are receiving a package do not want to call mm-hmm. an ambulance. Yes. And in fact, they'll be arguing with our support workers mm. and saying, you know, please, you know, almost pleading with them, don't, mm. please don't, please don't call, I don't want, you know, they'll get upset. Yeah. And that's another situation where we would get the support worker to ring the office so yes. that they can just talk that through a bit. Reassure them. Um, because what we would, what we see is that, um, you know, calling an ambulance is not the end of the world. People have this, this wrong idea that the calling ambulance automatically means they'll get dragged off to hospital mm. and that somehow automatically from there they'll get sent shipped off to a nursing home. Yes. Mm. And um, that just simply doesn't happen yeah. these days. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, it, and, in fact, what does happen is that the ambulance service will often give really good advice just simply over the phone to yes. assess whether an ambulance is needed or not. Yes, that's so right. So at least you're getting a level of medical assessment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and if they're not sure, they will dispatch an ambulance. But, again, the ambulance will come out, they'll check things out thoroughly, you know, do a few simple tests, and if they can see that the person's okay, they're just going to go, look, you know, Make sure you just take a bit, bit, bit of care, take mm. it quietly for the mm. afternoon and perhaps mm. go and see your doctor if you're not feeling 100%. But they're happy to go again mm. uh, and they won't forcibly take you. That's mm. the other myth that, that's out there. Mm. Um, if people really strongly feel that they don't want to go, they can say that to mm. the ambulance officers and the ambulance officers won't take them against their will. Yes. Mm. So people have a lot more... Uh, choice and say in their care these days which is a great thing mm. yeah. but they 
they need the opportunity to exercise that, and especially if you've had an accident and you might have an injury and you're just not sure. Yes. Um, a bit like the example you were giving with mm. your relative where mm. she might have initially thought, oh, it hurts a bit, but I can I can tolerate that yeah. and I'll be okay. Mm. And then it turned out to be, mm. you know, a very, very serious yeah. uh, issue. And our, our carers, they're first aid trained, but they're not medically trained. No. Mm. They're not able to medically assess someone, and so you're just better off getting a proper medical opinion yes. if you're not sure yeah, yeah. that's right mm. and with your carers warren like what would be the average age or is there an average age it tends to be a field that attracts uh, mature age people mm-hmm. so uh we certainly do have some people who are in their 20s and their 30s who work for us, but I'd have to say the majority of them are probably uh, 40 years and over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we find that that brings, uh, it brings quite a lot of positives. It brings people that have got a lot of life experience. experience yeah. yes. um, and that's just as important as having the qualifications. Mm-hmm. Qualifications are you know, essential mm-hmm. um, and we have very clear standards about that. Uh, everyone has to have done a minimum of a certificate three level of training mm-hmm. in aged care mm-hmm. or something immediately relevant to that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we have a few people who have got disability training for instance. Yes. Um, but more importantly than that, they need to have the aptitude and the experience. Uh, and that's a lot of the area that we put our effort into around the recruitment process. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not sort of, you know, tick the boxes and, and, mm. and through you go. Mm. Um, we actually interview people three times. Yes, uh, so wow. the, the phone interview and then a first interview and mm. then uh, the, the last and final interview is actually done with the, uh, the managing director. Okay. Uh, of the company uh, and and the other director of the company. So, you know, uh, Max and Shane really take this very seriously and mm-hmm. because they understand that every one of our support workers, when they're out there wearing our uniform, yes. um, they're reflecting the company. They yeah. are the company. Mm, exactly, yes, yeah. And so they want to sort of, you know, run their eye over, yeah, <laughs> over who course. they're taking on and yes. ask a few, uh, you know, tough questions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I think we've probably covered that today, um, and that was really interesting. It was, and, yes. Yeah, and so um, we thank you for coming on, Warren, and we look Once forward again. to seeing you again next week. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Okay. I'll see you then. Bye now. And welcome back to the Age Stage. We have a really interesting guest with us now, Steve. Yes, I'm looking forward to this. Yes, one. yes. So welcome, John Drysdale of the Men's Shed. And and not only is John Drysdale from the Men's Shed, but he has also um, he's also the winner of uh, Elder of the Year. So we're oh, really, really privileged. Fantastic. Really privileged. And welcome, John. Thank you, thank you. I don't know that you should feel so privileged. But <laughs> well, Elder of the Year. Here. That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> yes, you know and. Voted that not po- quite sure about the elder part. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I did wonder about that as mm. it was written. Now, we'll pause you for a moment because our long-last friend, William, has returned from oh. the ether. So we'll just do a little swap here while you're talking to John. Okay. So, John, you're an executive committee member and field representative for Victorians Men's Shed Association and on the Committee of Management for the Somerville Community House. Yes, that's right. And so that sounds a lot of work. Well, it, it's a two, two-way street, really. I mean, you only get out what you put in, as the cliche yeah, yeah. goes. And uh, it's um, some of the things that I have an interest in. Mm-hmm. But uh, certainly they take up uh, the majority of my mm. time. And so the men's shed, you know, 
um, from when you started it, didn't mm. you? Well, one of them, yes. Yes, yeah. yes I can. The, uh, the story there is that uh, uh, due to a, a little illness at the time, I mm-hmm. decided that I would take a few months off and during that time uh, my wife actually saw an ad uh, do you want to start a men's shed and I had no idea what a men's shed was mm. Yeah, mm. obviously so, new <laughs> exactly and of course mind you 10 years ago uh, there were very few men's sheds mm. at mm. the time I would bought a sausage off them at uh, Bunnings, Bunnings, I think, and saw a couple of up old blokes. As you but, do. But anyway, so I went along to this meeting um, and uh, listened to a chap uh, tell us all about the reasons for a men's shed and stuck my hand up after about an hour and said, where's the shed? And he said, oh, well, we don't have a shed yet. And I said, well, how on earth can you have a men's shed without, without a, shed. a shed? How long before we get a shed? Mm. And he said, oh, probably within a month, I would think. And I thought, well, you've got 40 blokes in the room full of, you know, keen, keen as mustard yes. to, to carry on. Yeah. So, and the fatal words, you'd better come down to my farm for the month. Oh, yeah. uh, and then I had to go and tell herself that uh, oh. we had to move the cars out of the garage. So oh. six and a half years later, wow, we finally moved off the farm and, and into our shed at Baxter. So that oh. was one of the... Of the sheds, uh, but then you work for five years to uh, secure sufficient funding. Uh, always a challenge. Isn't always it? a challenge. Always raising a money challenge, for something like that. The, it is uh, pay tribute where Which it's it due. The yeah. state government uh, put in sixty thousand dollars towards it, and it was matched on a two for one by our shire. And uh, we can talk about the shire, but I've got to say that the shire now. Uh, fully supportive mm-hmm. of the men's shed movement when they see the benefit. Yes. But I guess you're the forefather of the men's shed and uh, other men's sheds around uh, around Melbourne. Well, I don't know um, that I am personally, but certainly, uh, you know, I'd, uh, I was certainly involved in in most of the sheds here on right. the peninsula. And, of course, the and one here in Mornington is just a couple of indeed, doors down here from where are we are and, here and in Wilson's Road. extremely successful. Yes. Extremely, doing wonderful things. Why do you think, John, that they are so successful? Well, I tell you, um, in spite of the facilities or yeah. lack thereof, mm. I mean, the facilities here where we're speaking to you from are, mm. are somewhat special, but it's because I think they very early on recognised that the men's shed movement was moving slightly away from its traditional tools and making toys for kiddies mm, concept, mm-hmm. which we still do, mm. by the way. Don't get me wrong. That's mm. still the core of the excuse for the blokes getting together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's moving a lot more towards uh, the social aspects. Yes, which is really important. Because the Menchet movement fundamentally deals with issues like social isolation yes. and depression and so forth. Yeah. It's not why we exist, mm-hmm. but it's one of the benefits that men yeah. get mm. from belonging to. And so how do you handle those situations? When you when you come by a, a, a gentleman that you can clearly yeah. see is yeah. suffering in, in one of those areas, yeah. what do you do then? Do you refer? Well, can I tell you that being on the Victorian uh, Men's Shed Association for my sins now as a committee member responsible for what's known as the southern region which takes in the peninsula here we're aware of at least 12 suicides that have mm. been prevented Gosh. as a result fantastic of, oh at least in part yeah, part yeah. Of the mention. yeah. that's a fairly dramatic that's mm, at one ab- extreme but absolutely. on the other extreme you've got people that are just simply lonely yes that's right and so to answer your question how do we deal with it we don't purport 
in any shape or form to be professionals at it. Yes. It's simply the power of mateship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We say that men work shoulder to shoulder. Mm -hmm. And so there's no um, interrogation, there's no none of that. It's mm -hmm. simply a trust-building exercise and, a, and the wonders of mateship work, mm -hmm. their wonders. And so it's sort of like, are you okay, mate? Yeah. yeah. But it's the Australian way, isn't it? It, it is. really is the Australian mm -hmm. way. And it's, isn't it interesting that, um, yeah. uh, William, that this is an Australian movement? Yes, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yes. Its origins are somewhat um, contestable, but mm -hmm. essentially it's believed that it started out in the country to deal with uh, the problems that the cockies were having out in the bush. Mm -hmm. And God knows they need help and and, mm. and it spread. And, you know, there's over a thousand sheds in Australia now. Mm, fantastic. And more importantly, there's over 2,000 sheds overseas. Wow. And in Ireland, it's taken to it with a passion. Mm -hmm. England, uh, Canada... God bless America, they're doing it their own way. But yeah. anyway. They just have barbecues. <laughs> Do you think Cook -offs. it's taking the place of, you know, you know how, uh, well, let's say, you know, 40s, 50s, maybe into the 60s, you know, the guys would go down to the bar yes. and meet their mates at the pub and have I, a drink. I, I think that's well absorbed. Yeah. Um, I, I heard today, I don't know how I react to this, but I heard today that we're actually... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we always have a few regrets, don't we? Sometimes? Because I heard <laughs> that's today, one that may be one of the regrets, <laughs> that I've heard that uh, our alcohol consumption in this country is at its lowest point since the early 60s. It is. Really? Absolutely. So beer sales are way down. have to do something about that, William. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, oh, your, your God, point is well made, I think, that, yeah. Yeah. that um, there was this big gap. And, and your typical scenario is that and we're talking blokes here, mm, and I don't mm -hmm. make an apology for mm -hmm. that. I mean, we are talking blokes. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that women aren't very involved in mm. the men's head, but mm. that's another issue. But blokes typically work all their lives. They get a great big network of people, their routines of, you know, getting out of bed and doing their jobs and coming home. And then they say, oh, oh I can't wait to retire. Yes. Well, what are you going to do, George, when mm. you're... I'm going to go golfing. Yeah. Good-o. How mm. often are you going to play golf, George? Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, a couple of times a week at least. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can't wait, can't wait. Mm. Yes. And then they do retire. And when they retire, they've looked at their finances and they say, yes, we can, we can do this and we'll fit in a little trip that we've always wanted to do. And they get all excited and they do that. And then they come home. And George drives Mildred nuts. Crazy. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. All of a sudden, her routine is to, you know, get us a cup of tea, love, you mm. know. And yeah. Yeah. So I would say <laughs> a large percentage of our membership comes because Mildred says, get in the car, George. <laughs> I'm taking you down to the shed. <laughs> <laughs> but the funny thing about it, my father, particularly when he retired, he was a, a very handy man and the, right. his medship was his garage. Right. And he had the full setup of all the tools and right. he'd go in there and spend hours in there right. by himself and right. uh, uh, it was quite quite amazing yeah mm. it's it's fair to say that the majority of the members mm. have the garage out the back mm. 
they can do what they want to, but they, that's not the point. The no. point is they come to the shed sure. either because they need a bit of a clue on how to, you know, do a dovetail mm-hmm. joint or something, mm-hmm. or they just enjoy yeah. it. But the giant Walsa has been fabulous, haven't they? Have. they, they yeah. I'm well, yeah, well said, and I'm glad you raised that because yeah. initially we did have a, an uphill battle to mm-hmm. convince uh, councillors um, and the shire officers of the value of it mm, mm-hmm. that's long gone mm-hmm. and we can now say that we have as a quick think seven active running sheds here on mm-hmm. the shire wow. with two possibly three even uh, in the process of getting built hopefully yeah. it won't Fantastic. take as long as I took but, yes. um, and uh, you know there are uh, at a quick calculation, something in the order of about 500 men here in, on the Shire attend every week, yeah. mm-hmm. and about 15,000 in the state. Wow. But, but they were one of the, the first councils, weren't they, to develop a strategy regarding the Manchin uh, around that? Yes, one of the first, and, and uh, I don't know if I'm giving this away, but they're, they're constantly reviewing that, yep. and there's a review underway at the moment. Yep. In conjunction with the men sheds themselves. And do you working with, like, Brian Payne as the mayor, or uh, is he involved well, very closely with um, the Brian's with the involved shed? down here. Yes, he is. And, yeah. in fact, he's got a challenge that uh, one of our prospective sheds um, is at that struggle stage of trying to get it established, and they're calling on Brian, and he's doing what he can mm-hmm. uh, in that uh, in that area. And uh, But all the councillors... Are aware of the shed movement. Yes. And yeah. to a great oh, yes. It's, yeah, it's really uh, taken involved. momentum mm. now. Indeed. But how do you promote it? How, how do you, you Very know, badly. How, how do you get, you know, yeah. get men to come along? Is it more word of mouth? Yeah, do you think? it really mm. is, uh, Paula. It, um, I, I, we're no good at it. Mm. Um, we look. We have our sausage sizzles, and mm. and we go out and we do a lot of community work mm-hmm. at schools and kindergartens and nursing homes and uh, things like that. And it, uh, we recently, we being the Victoria Menshed Association, uh, at the request of the state government for additional funding, um, had to do a survey and try and calculate what the dollar contribution was that men's sheds made mm-hmm. back to the community because the state government, bless them, give a, in round figures a million dollars a year mm-hmm. to the development and refurbishment of sheds and they have done it on a bipartisan mm. thing for quite a number of years um, and continue to do so. And in fact, uh, one of our sheds here on the peninsula last week, it was announced has received a grant, so hoo-hoo for them, well yeah. done. And uh, so, you know, we did this survey to try and justify, if you will, mm. uh, that contribution. And by a very conservative calculation, uh, based on about $32 an hour for our labour, mm. there's $25 million generated of... Gosh. Social contribution back wow. to the community. That's yeah. amazing. Now that doesn't include 
the social benefit of men actually attending Psychological the shed and what benefit. it does Yes, for yes, yeah. So they're getting a pretty good return. Absolutely. That's Not that fantastic. we're ungrateful for the million, but we yeah. would like more. Yeah, mm. that is wonderful. Mm. And, and the body actually has the uh, second highest older population in Victoria, which is, uh, yes. again, a challenge in itself. My understanding of, of our 160,000 erstwhile citizens mm-hmm. on the peninsula, I think the figure, I stand to be correct, is about 28%. Hmm. that are either at or or Mm. near retirement. Mm. And I think we're becoming the Miami of the state. We are, actually. Why not? I mean, look (laughs) at the facilities and out there today. It's just glorious. It's a beautiful Yeah, in Melbourne it's around 17%. Yeah, and um, and I think that 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 will continue, that gap will continue. Absolutely. uh, As as people uh, move down here. Yeah. And thank God there are organisations out there that are addressing the issues of the. But earth. this is mm-hmm. a wonderful place we live in, Mornington oh, Peninsula. It's just sensational. Glorious. I mean, we've been, Mary and I have been on the peninsula for a, in excess of twenty years. Mm-hmm. We're at Summers, and then we had a farm at Somerville for twenty years, and mm-hmm. we've recently become a, a resident of Mornington. So I'm in the Welcome. Hood now. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> You're in the big smoke. And absolutely loving it. You've I come over from the dark side. Well, <laughs> you, well, you might say that. I couldn't possibly come. John, it's well, been a great pleasure having you come in you and, and chatting to us at the age stage. And you know, it's very important that men out there learn about the men's shed, yes. but more so how to contact and how to get in touch with you. Yes. And that's the key issue. What would you suggest the best way to contact yourself, for example, oh, and look, talk about uh, issues? VMSA, uh, right. Google it. Mm-hmm. Um, you young people know how to do all that sort of right. stuff. <laughs> but the VMSA, Victorian Men's Shed Association, or in fact any one of the sheds on right. the peninsula, mm-hmm. if you just put in men's sheds and, and you'll be directed to it, but more than happy to talk to people. I have spoken at uh, quite a number of um, gatherings with people that right. were interested in knowing what it's mm. about. Well, thanks happens. so much, John. And, and may I strongly suggest that uh, our audience out there who perhaps are feeling a bit lonely by themselves, men out there don't know what to do with themselves, yeah. Please do this. Contact the men's shed and go and have a look, at least have a look. That's it. Uh, there's no pressure. There's no forcing you to join no. or be part of it. No. It's a matter of being uh, going along and, and talking to your fellow mates at these sheds and uh, and you'll get so much out of it. You really will get so much out of it. So Absolutely well said. I think we'll have to engage you to promote the, the sheds, but <laughs> well, that's it's... exactly right. We <laughs> encourage people to come along for one or two weeks, three weeks before they make a commitment. Brilliant. To, uh, All right. Again, thank you, John. Thanks, very John. much indeed. Lovely, lovely to meet you. Yeah. Indeed. Thanks, John. Thank Bye you. now. Thank you. Bye. Okay, we're going to go to a break and we'll be back soon. So welcome back to The Age Stage. Um, and The Age Stage brought to you each week by IPPFM in association with Aftercare Australasia. And we're going to talk now, William, to Paul Vestige, who is the Policy Coordinator at the Combined Pensioners and Superannuates Association, who has noted in, in this month's edition of The Voice, which is a really interesting uh, publication, that 55 million calls to Centrelink call centres went unanswered during... 2016-17. Isn't that astounding? Which is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely. The numbers that yeah. go through that call centre. So welcome, Paul. How are you? Thank you. I'm, I'm well, thank you. That's great. That's a fascinating number, Paul. Um, <laughs> 55 million, yes. That is yeah. amazing. That is yeah. huge. It's, it's when, staggering. 
Yeah. So what what does that mean for us us older Australians trying to get onto the My My Age Care app or, or calling into Centrelink to help with things like pensions or superannuation, Paul? Well, it's it's very difficult. Obviously, um, we we get a lot of calls because people think that you know we might be able to help them, and sometimes we are because we, we give them some information. But you know, when it comes to to managing their uh, their pension, um, we we can't help, and mm. um, yeah. We, we we can hear the frustration because they know that if they're going to ring, they if they get through, they're going to have to wait a long time. And uh, yeah, getting through is a, is an achievement. But also, oh, you there? Yes, I'm here. Oh, sorry. But also, it must be uh, a situation whereby that uh, so many would perhaps give up uh, because they can't get through. Well, yes. Although I, you know, I don't have numbers for that, of course. But um, you know, you can't really afford to. Uh, give up when the pension is your main source or even your yes. sole source uh, of income. You have to get through somehow. I had a, uh, a gentleman on the phone yesterday who, um, 90 years old, lives by himself, so quite, doing quite well. Um, and he had changed his bank because his bank had moved and he wanted to change his bank details for Centrelink mm-hmm. and uh, was wondering how, how he would go about that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, um, I told him he could ring, and then he told me he had a an old dial-up phone, um, which doesn't help much when you when you ring Centrelink because it's all menus and hardly oh, any yes. operators that you get there. Yeah, that's, it's that's difficult. Yeah, very difficult. And by Centrelink's own admission, apparently it let the phone ring out on 44 million callers. Can you believe that? That is astounding. Yes, and it took quite a bit of uh, digging by uh, an estimate committee of the federal parliament <clears throat> to to find that out because uh, Centrelink was actually claiming quite proudly that um, the waiting time to to get um, you know to an operator uh, for anyone would on, on average was I think between fourteen and fifteen minutes. Mm. Um, but it turned out that they weren't counting the calls that they didn't answer at all. So, yes. Um, <laughs> That was, uh, you know, 14, 50 minutes is quite a long time anyway. But uh, well, It sounds like uh, a ringing toaster, doesn't it, sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to comment on that. No, I'll stick to no I know that. <laughs> I had that experience today, actually, because we're moving house and uh, trying to move your um, internet and, and telephone service. It took 45 minutes on the phone. I totally mm. sympathise and empathise with you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Apparently, Paul, the, uh, the uh, human services have put on additional staff, um, that they've, they've put on an additional 1,500 staff and, um, and hired another 1,000 on top of that in April. Um, but it still yeah. doesn't... Re- I mean, it reduces the unanswered call amount, but not... You know, there's still 22 million I mean, a million is too many. A thousand really is too many. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, that's we, right. Um, yeah, that, of course, calls should be answered. Um, mm. And what you're seeing, of course, is that um, um, agencies like Centrelink, and Centrelink is not alone, is trying to push um, people onto the, on, onto the Internet to, um, to, um, you know, to, to do that. Uh, their business with them and um, for a lot of older people that is really problematic yes. um, because you know the, um, the gentleman I was just talking about had a dial up phone how is he going to interact with, uh, with uh, 
those fence link. Exactly. And it's sort of taking away choice, isn't it? You know, not everybody wants to go digital or get a computer or have a but laptop, do you know? I guess there's a comparison um, that if, if if this was a private business, they'd have to employ another 2,500 uh, people, uh, totally 5,000 people, to, to cope with that sort of uh, call ratio. Mm, mm. And, and if not, they'll go bankrupt. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you, uh, as a business, uh, don't respond to your customers, Obviously, uh, you go out of business. Well, you're not in business anymore. Yeah, exactly. That's right. I don't think Satellite's going out of business anytime soon, but um, regardless of what they do, uh, it it, it is very ironic that you're supposed to be helping people and um, causing great anxiety and grief uh, amongst Mm. older Australians, but, you know, Australians of all ages um, find it very difficult to cope with with, uh, Centrelink. And Um, and it's... uh, yeah, that's that's pretty. And Paul, just tell us a little bit about the voice and what the voice does. Well, the voice is really um, uh, a publication that um, is uh, uh, it, it's quite it's quite old. It's going on to ninety years old. As we started in nineteen thirty-one, um, uh-huh. I wasn't around, obviously. Um, I don't think anybody was uh, that is that is a member now. Um, and it's a monthly publication mm-hmm. um, that um, that tries to um, you know, sweep together all the the news that is relevant to to older people, particularly people on on low to mid um, retirement incomes, and um, and cover policy issues and cover the campaigns that CPSA, the Combined Pensioners and Superannuants Association, um, uh, has going, um, and um, that's. Uh, that's that's what the voice is. It's mm-hmm. uh, an information bulletin and a, a campaign tool. Good. And so you, you you're an advocate really for elderly people. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, our main you know, our main uh, things are of course income security, as we call it, um, yes. and and Centrelink uh, very uh, solidly falls under that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also aged care. Aged care is the other uh, mainstay of our campaigning, uh, as you know. Aged yeah. carer knows a, a lot of problems, but I guess technology has made a big part of um, of obviously uh, you, you know, our future. Uh, but the problem is uh, the audience and the audience they are talking to are not necessarily up with technology, mm. and that's the problem you have with the gentleman with, with the uh, with the phone. Mm. That uh, his uh, his object or uh, technology he's using is not coping up with uh, the current technology that they require. Which in one way is sad. I mean, we've lost the days when, in the old days, you'd ring up a telephone number and someone would say, hello, how are you? Uh, yeah. these, these days, it's uh, press this and press that, et cetera, et cetera, which is, uh, tends to confuse a lot of older people. And I know yeah. that from my mother. She's, uh, God bless her, she's not with us anymore, but her latter stage, she was trying to cope with those sorts of uh, um, problems and uh, and didn't cope very well with it. Yeah, that's right. And, um, of course... Uh you know all this te- technological change, um, everything going online. Mm-hmm. It's achieving huge savings for agencies like Centrelink and, and you know Medicare and, and all those places. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, but that's really uh, you know on the back of, of pe- on the people they're supposed to serve. Um, that's right. The, uh, yeah, the quality of service. I mean, the, absolutely goes down. They're not a public company. They don't have to make a profit <laughs> by having cost savings. Mm. Well, the the fact of the matter is that we, the taxpayer, 
Exactly, pay for the service anyhow. Pay for the service that we don't get. Exactly. Yeah, it's a bit of an oxymoron. Absolutely. And a lot of pensioners can't afford to have dial-up connections and, you know, pay, you know, exorbitant phone bills and things like that and be be waiting on on a phone call for half an hour in in a regional area and things like that. I mean, um, do you you know, campaign for those sorts of things to change, like perhaps a pensioner's allowance for telephone calls and things like that? Uh, yeah, um, we do. Um, we, we recently, you know, it was uh, it was actually a, a branch of the CPSA in, um, in, in, in the West, uh, in Griffith, um, where they um, uh, said, you know, look, we need an internet allowance um, mm. um, to... Because it's not just a, a matter of of getting a subscription to uh, to an internet service provider, but you have to you know you have to keep up with the um, um, the, the equipment. Uh, you have to um, pay subscriptions if you want to keep your service secure. Have a you know a virtual protocol. That's, um, that's right. Yes. Uh, and, and all those things. And you know, in the past, that was recognised. You know, before the internet came along, that you 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 got a telephone allowance, and that actually still exists. Um, it's it's been merged in the uh, in the pension supplement, and mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know that they're getting it, but it's mm. still there. Yes. But of course, there are now additional costs. I mean, uh, in the past, you uh, you got a you got a standard telephone from uh, from uh, um, I can't remember what they were called in those days, telecom. Um, yeah, telecom. Yeah, yeah. It was, and, uh, well, it was originally the PMG, actually. Yes. <laughs> well, that is way before my time. Yeah. Um, I'm old. <laughs> no, no, sorry. That's like, <laughs> no. that's that's like the that's like the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> yes. But you know, the cost the cost of maintaining a, uh, a telephone service was 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 quite cheap, and mm. uh, if you watched your STD call. You could actually manage that, but yes. uh, these days it's, it's a uh, lot different. It's a lot. It's a lot different, and uh, we see we, we we say that you know some of the savings that are being made uh, by government agencies doing so much of their business online, um, you know, just a proportion of it um, should be skimmed off and and um, and, and paid back to um, to the people um, those agencies serve in, in the form of an internet supplement. Mm-hmm. One thing we don't do, Paul, is really look after our older generation in this country, which is, uh, again, a sad situation when they did so much for us and allowed us to be in a country that is free and, uh, and we have our freedom and that's the main thing, but we don't, we don't pay them back by looking after them in many, many ways. So, Paul, thank you for joining us today. It's been very interesting, and I think you're thank going you. to join us next week where we're going to take a closer look at technology. And, um, oh, I'm happy to, yeah. Yes, that uh, would be great. It's interesting to talk about those things. Yes. Terrific. And just a bit of background, Paul, you're the policy coordinator at the Combined Pensioners and Superannuation Association, and so thank yes. you very much indeed for your time today. Thanks, Thank Paul. You. Thank you. And Thank next you. week we'll be talking, taking a closer look, as we just discussed, at technology and what we need to do to future-proof our, ourselves. 
We will. So you're on RPPFM and you've been listening to The Age Stage made possible by Aftercare Australasia and we'd like to thank our guests William, uh, Warren Hayes, John Drysdale and Paul Vestige. And thank you and thanks to the technical producer Steve Myers. Thank yes, you Steve very much for popping in and taking the first part of the session for me. <laughs> I really do appreciate it. So until next week, I'm Paula Dunn. And, and I'm William Bond. Enjoy your week.